these things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week, we have... My name is Paul Carmichael, and on this week's Time Team, we will be looking for the lost pornography of Samuel Pepys. Samuel had a peep at pornography, did he? He did. You know what? They should make that as a documentary, shouldn't they? You get all this crap. I was watching... I was watching something the other day, because I know you don't watch modern television. Oh, no. I completely agree with you there, um, in some ways. But on the other hand, there's this wonderful thing with the science channels. You know, like The science. The science channels. The science channels, as I like to call them, yeah. The STEM Um, subjects. That's the one, yeah. Um, They always obsess on two particular things. They always go with sharks or Nazis. Right? They're the two things. They love sharks and they love Nazis. If you can then, combine the two. Which they have. They, which have. they have. Which they have. Last week on uh, Discovery Discovery History, I can't remember one of them. There's so many of these channels. I'm flicking through the old on-screen guide and suddenly, there it is. Hitler's mega shark. No. What would have happened if the SS had trained sharks? Well, there'd, and, have, been, uh, there'd have been SS sharks. S sharks, they would have sharks, indeed. But they got an hour out of this, a full hour, because some bloke reckoned he had a document with a drawing of a shark on, and from that they had hypothesised this whole thing about yeah, what what if the sharks had been on the Nazis' side? I don't think they were particularly they're more neutral when they were more Switzerland. I think the sharks. Yes, I think so. I think I think they probably swam in. Do they swim in schools or is that dolphins? Dolphin. Oh, I don't. I know. I was reading yesterday how um, they they used to follow um, ships um, that were uh, taking people on rather dangerous voyages because they knew that maybe I think it was during the Irish famine actually um, when they were taking people from Ireland on these big hulks. Thirty percent of the people who actually got onto the ships would die, and so right. they'd throw the bodies over the side. Really? Um, so, God. Yeah, and and it was just sharks following them absolutely everywhere ah um, sure my granddad came to ellis island on the back of a shark you know it was a, <laughs> it was a hammerhead he was a he was a tough man <laughs> so i was yeah i was watching that and i suddenly thought well what would be good what would i actually like to see commissioned and i uh, and then i thought what what could i be commissioned to present yes. and i thought the lost pornography of samuel peeps there's the a lost the naughty parchments oh he loved them he absolutely loved them have you read his diaries yeah 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 he's a dirty dirty man isn't he, he was always uh goosing the housemaid wasn't he well goosing the housemaid quite frequently or occasionally and he was always drunk always drunk roaring um, drunk roaring drunk and there's there's a lovely entry in one of the diaries where he talks about Ooh, how uh. um yeah well, well yes because he woke up in the middle of the night and it was dark, and he did, couldn't find his chamber pot under the bed, so he just vomited into the hearth. So clean that up, dear. Fantastic. Um, there's that. Then he'd go off to a church, but he would go to church predominantly because he fancied people, and he'd just, just stir at asses whilst he was in church. But then there's this lovely entry where he gets hold of a dirty book, um, which is called L'Escol du Fil, probably awful pronunciation, Back but translated... Schools. Well, it means French schoolgirls, yeah. um, and and he, and he absolutely loved it. And there's this uh, there's an entry there about how he's uh, about yeah. how he's reading it. And Utave, uh, my prick did harden, as he says. And naughty Samuel claims that he then threw it away. Now then, with the my little sh- the prick gone out gone. the window. Now then, with my shark hypothesis head on. Yes. Who's to say he threw it away? Who's to say he didn't hide it somewhere? We know. We know he buried his Parmesan cheese, he? Didn't did. He? Great he had fire big, London. Yeah, he had his big wheel of Parmesan. What would he have wrapped it in? I suspect the pornography. Yes, yes, yes. Covered in cheese stains, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. It was no probably doubt. like modern wax paper, wasn't it? The amount of readings he had. Gentleman's Dairy Lee. Gentleman's Dairy Lee, yes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Samuel Pepys... Is he's typical in the book apparently of the time of just t- you know well that's what they did they t- they took bribes wasn't mm. he first lord of the admiralty or whatever the equivalent was then and mm. yeah he um, took bribes always, for filling ships that's it you know he's always uh, he very rarely goes to the office that's the other thing he always seems to be going to the office then he gets distracted and he ends up in a pub all the time um, yeah. but when he occasionally does work 
he, he he doesn't give you an awful lot of details as what he's up to, and you do get these little glimpses that maybe hmm maybe it's naughtiness that's going on there, Samuel. Maybe. Yes, yes, he's got a code for it, and I can't remember it right now. Hmm. Doesn't he have to get rid of someone in the office, and he sort of um, you you track that through the diary entries? It's like such a body's doing this, and such a body's doing that, and he's he eventually sacks the man, doesn't he? That's right, yeah. He does eventually. I, he's, a, he's a fascinating bloke. He's one of those, of course, we all learned about him at school. Um, and he wrote about the Great Fire of London. Slightly below the surface, you find the real man. And the real man, I think I would have got on well with him. I suspect he may have killed me. I, you get that feeling that maybe he killed as well. Probably. I've no evidence for that. Or the Nazi sharks. But I suspect he probably did. Oh, I thought the Nazi sharks was someone provided documentary proof, didn't you say? One document with a drawing of a shark on it. Oh, it, that's your lot. It could have been a doodle. Just someone's yeah. bored in Nazi HQ and just goes, oh, look, I've drawn a shark. Could be that. But they got an hour out of this. Now, as far as I'm concerned, surely... Well done. Three episodes on BBC Four, Samuel Pepys's lost pornography. Well, yeah, it could be Nazi sharks. Couldn't it? In a sort of, like, a, a, a private Schultz sort of thing where he's put into a prison and he's got to train sharks you know what I mean I like to I like to think of Ian Richardson and um god what was Boone's name Michael Elphick Michael Elphick yeah in it oh god I love that show we, we've gone on about that a bit too much mm. famous diarists though the, the one that strikes me which isn't a real diary obviously is George and Henry Gro- Grossmith's Diary of a Nobody have you read that I've never read it I have watched a number of very lovely versions. The last one was great with the Downton Abbey fella. Um, Hugh Bonneville, wasn't mm. it? Now, who did it in 65? There was a BBC production in 64 or 65. It was Brian on Pringles film. in one that Ken... What's his name? You know, the enfant terrible of uh, British cinema. Ken Russell. Ken Russell made one for the BBC in 65. And it's kind of like one. silent film with uh, with captions, isn't it? That's the one, yeah, that's wonderful stuff. Yeah, Brian Absolutely. Pringle's in it. I'm not sure if he, he is... Oh, I can't even think of the main protagonist's name now. The name that sticks in my head is Lupin the Sun. That's the one who's sort of... He's the ne'er-do-well son. Yes, that's right. But yeah, I mean, that's that's a great thing. And Hugh Bonneville nailed it as far as I'm concerned. That's. But what I love about um, that is the, the little detail. Um... You know, we're going to the theatre later, sent for a cab, and then moved into the new house. I've uh, torn my trousers on the foot scraper by the door. Mm. You know, they kind of, they document that life. You know, you you wouldn't, well, obviously now you don't walk round to the local muse to book Mm. a cab for the evening, you know. But there's, there's one page where it's like walking up the hill and then walking down the hill is the illustration on each opposing page. Yeah, just that m- m- the mundane quality mm, uh, of, yeah. of that is is fascinating, isn't it? Um, favorite diary, Kenneth Williams. Oh yeah, that's yeah, oh, especially when read alongside the Joe Orton diary. Mm. You know, when you yeah. compare the two, the uh, recollections of events. Yeah, the most uh, most fascinating thing in the Joe Orton diary um, is there's a reference to him having a wank about Fraser Hines. Well, you'd like that. I wouldn't like to do that personally. I've got no, but you, you, you like the the uh, the cultural context, obviously. I love the cultural context of that. Yeah, he's um, he's talking about how I think it's about 1966, and one of the entries Orton talks about there's a new boy on Doctor Who, and you know, gets very yeah. excited. Maybe it was Fraser Hines who set Kenneth Halliwell off. Maybe it was. Yeah, maybe he got the ass about that, and he just had to chop him up due to. Well, yeah, it's quite. Um, <laughs> But um, chop him up. <laughs> I'm going to chop him up now after seeing uh, McCrimmon on the telly. There will be McCriminations for, for this diary entry. It um, could be that. Yeah. Um, what was I thinking of when you said that then? Uh, Nazi Sharks, mm-hmm. uh, Kenneth Samuel, Hallowell, yeah. Joe Orton, Samuel had a peep. Um, Kenneth Williams. Kenneth Williams, I can't think. There's been some lovely photos turning up from various people, including Morris Bright on. Uh, Twitter um, of like the card game he placed up the other week from Carry On Matron. There's Bernard Breslau in his wig, Bill Maynard, Sid, and uh, Kenneth Cope all sat around playing cards on a break during oh, I filming. Seen that one. Oh, it's oh. beautiful. I, I I don't know why Carry On Matron gets such a bad rep. 
It's a strange one, that, isn't it? Is it? Well, it's black and white, isn't it, Matron? No. It's, it's no? Uh, 72, Matron. It's the well, last of the hospital ones. So which is the hospital one that's in black and white? Is nurse. That doctor? Nurse, that's Nurse. Nurse, the 1958 one. And that's the one with the famous scene. I mean, Wilfred Hyde White, you know, at the very end of the film, when uh, he's lying on his front on the... Because the nurses get their own back on him, don't they? And uh, Wilfred Hyde White's lying on his front and Hattie Jakes walks in and she's like, Mr. Whoever! And he's like, what's the matter, matron? Have you never seen a man having his temperature taken this way before? And then she says yes, and then reaches down, but not with a daffodil, you know. <laughs> so it, he's yes. got a, the end of it is uh, literally he's got a daffodil stuck up his ass. But in Carry On Doctor in 1968, they bring some daffodils to Frankie Howard in bed, and he's like, "Oh no, I've seen that film," <laughs> <laughs> which I love the meta of that in 1968, referencing their own back catalogue. Ooh, uh. and is Nurse the one with Joan Hickson? Yes. Right, yes. yeah. Hickson's in a couple. The last one she's in is Carry On Girls, where she mm. kind of plays that character, the dotty woman that she plays in Clockwise. Yeah, she's magnificent. Yeah. Uh, Hickson, I absolutely love Joan Hickson. But Matron's she- great. Yeah. So why doesn't it get the I don't know. it should I, have? I think that there's, there's that... Um, there's that perception, isn't there, that the 1970s carry-ons are sort of like... I, I think that the, uh, the, the purple patch... Is 1968, I suppose. Maybe up the Khyber, maybe because you because when they lost when Anglo Amalgamated went out of business, mm. so the Carry On title was lost, and they made those two, didn't they? Rank, and they called the first one the French Revolution one. Don't lose your head, and then they called the next one Follow That Camel, which I read the other day. They weren't uh, when because Sid wasn't available. Um, instead of they eventually cast Phil Silvers as Sergeant Nucky, um, but they were initially. Uh, really seriously considering Woody Allen. Can you imagine that? Blimey. Woody Allen in a carry-on. So I think that the rank films are considered the purple patch from sort of Don't Lose Your Head until probably Loving. And then people start getting a bit sketchy about them at your convenience, don't they? Because they get all ideological about it because they should have been on the side of the workers in At Your Convenience. I love At Your Convenience. I think it's great. I um, love at your convenience. I love behind. I oh well, that's Car- nineteen seventy-five. You, so yeah. I mean, be, the reason. So the last two that were Talbot Rothwell were uh, girls and Dick. Girls mm. being nineteen seventy-three and Carry On Dick being seventy-four. And then mm. after Rothwell went, um, you got people like is it Dave Greenwood or Dave Hill or so? I can't think of the names even. Greenwood, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think George Layton wrote. England with someone else but but people really don't like I mean imagine if Carry On Behind which is Carry On Camping 2 mm. imagine if Carry On Behind had had Sid instead of Windsor Davis you know it would have it would have been I, I think a fantastic film but I think but I think Behind's great anyway I think um, I think Matron's great because Matron's got that great theme for Sid's gang on the mm. bass which is do 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 bang Bam, yes. bam, bam, boom, boom, boom. So, I mean, but, um, yeah, people are sniffy about these things. I think that probably if you look at the medical ones, as they call them, um, Matron's considered the poor relative. But I, right. I think Matron's a great film. Okay, so, Screaming. Carry on Screaming. 1966, yeah. Why Anglo-amalgamated. Is that... Right, so is that why... That one always seems to have rights issues, because whenever it's released, whenever why? they release box sets... They're all there, but Screaming is always released by someone else. I think, I think it's now owned by, oh, not Lumia. What's the name of the, you know, the, uh, is it Canal oh, Plus? Oh, or something. No, it's um, French. I've forgotten the bloody oh, name. Oh, uh, yes, Canal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? it seems I don't know that, I about they've that. got the rights. I know that in, when Woolies was selling, do you remember the videos? Mm. That they all had the carry on emblazoned on them, and they mm. released all the best ones, obviously first. And yeah. the one that you could you could still buy carry on camping, but that was in a white rank home video box. Ah. It wasn't part of that set. So I mean, there'll be various issues, really. I mean, Emmanuel uh, wasn't mm. part of that set initially because that was owned by, you know, it was sort of like a private. You know, they'd raise the money in the same way that uh, the final series of Mind Your Language and uh, what was the return of Connery? Never say never again. Mm. 
It's kind of made by another company. So I think they're all... I didn't know Screaming wasn't included in these sets. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it, it, it's always seemed that that one's got a little bit of a rights issue around it. I'm sure there's something fascinating to, to find out about that. But yeah, there's something going on there. Not sure what See, it is. See, Screaming, I think, is all style and no substance. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a great fan of Screaming. The best part of Screaming is when they go to see Charles Hawtrey as the toilet attendant. Dan Dan the Toilet Man. Yes. Um, and, and the sat under a, a sort of a glazed, you know, street, because it's subterranean. Do you remember those mm. grids that were glass blocks? Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah. It, must, it must just be a grid because he keeps shouting up to people. And right. he's like, morning, Mrs. Whoever. And he's like, no bloomers. Never mm. wears them. And he's, <laughs> he's looking up, you know, as these women walk over. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Dan Dan the Gardening Man. Um, he's the best aspect of that. But there's some um, there's some great bits in Matron, like Bernard Breslau's dressed up as a pregnant woman. And he's like that. Oh, Sid. Just sh- I'm sure I felt it kicking then. Oh, just shows you the power of suggestion, doesn't it? And Sid's like, you'll feel something kicking in a minute. Which I think <laughs> is, a, is a cracking line. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful stuff. There was uh, on Twitter as well this week, there was an advert for... Um, Barbara Windsor and Bernard Breslau carry on. Yeah, Blackpool. I sent you that. That's it. It was you, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's lovely. And then and we could have 19, gone. Could have gone. Nineteen ninety-two. Could have gone so easily to that and didn't. Just, oh, bollocks! I saw Jim Jim Dale's show when he was eighty at the Garrick a couple of years back. Mm. It was astonishing for an eighty-year-old man to do that show. It was yeah. like he was just all over the show. You know what I mean? The energy that he had. Mm. Um, but. Yeah, the carry-ons. Are, I mean, I also sent you that tweet where someone was saying about how the carry-on films couldn't be watched today because of inappropriate humour and stuff like that. Mm. However, don't worry, you can always watch Hancock's Half Hour instead. Yeah, and, and hear him like completely ridicule a woman over her weight. Yeah. You know it's what a, I mean? Yeah. No, I, I refuse. I refuse to allow these terrible people near the mm. carry-on films. They're not for you. No, they're not. not. For you. You, you, comedy triggers you. And they don't have to be. They don't have to be. No. Not everything is for everyone. You well, know, Ken veganism Russell isn't said, for me. Ken Russell said, well, quiet. Well, Ken Russell said about the carry-on films, they were the televisual equivalent, or the cinematic equivalent of comfort eating. And I think he meant that as an insult. I think that's great. Was that meant to be an insult? Oh, no, no, I mm. absolutely go with that. No, if I've, if I've got a bit of a cold or something like that, carry-on set comes down from there, on we go. So what's um, your fave? I I think it is behind. I just yeah. I just it just makes me properly snort laughing. Uh, some bits of it. The middle aged Liz Fraser in it, who's still oh, yeah. gorgeous. Oh yes, absolutely. No, I I love that. But then I used to fancy Adrian Poster in that. Oh God, yes. Oh Adrian Poster. Now last week we were talking about uh, Georgina Moon from Up Pompeii. We were. Adrienne Poster played the part of erotica in the film version of Pompeii. And yes. I fully approve. Except there's... Fully. They, they, they kill her off. Which I was... Oh, no! I'm talking bollocks. No, she plays the she plays the part of a slave girl who is beneath Lurkio, which, of course, he talks about a lot, the fact that she's beneath him. And then... But they fall in love, and then she's running towards him at the end. Does. That she runs towards him at the end whilst um, whilst Vesuvius is erupting, and it, they're running together in slow motion, and then the floor gives way and she falls to her death. It's like <laughs> brilliant, wonderful moment, and he just turns and he just gives this <sighs> to camera, and that's the only reaction, and then he just gets on with his life. I wonderful. love up the front as well. Up the front's brilliant. The, wo- so's the up, World War so, One. So's up the chastity belt. Up the chastity belt. Yeah. Oh, they are. They're wonderful. a great trio of films, but we, we haven't really... mentioned. No. My my changed room. We should talk about the fact that oh. you've got a new set. You're like EastEnders, but you probably haven't spent quite as much. No, I Although spent more nothing. people are watching us, of course. Anyway, yeah. Well, of course, yes, yes. Um, I had an L-shaped desk, which is now a long desk, because right. I bought these new monitors, these uh, Rockets RP7s or something, at great expense. Mm. Uh, and so I had to rearrange the entire room. But uh, I'm quite happy with this. I can now get to the window. Mm-hmm. Which is always useful in case uh, a horde of Fire. Nazi sharks swim up the stairs. Not impossible. Uh, it's not impossible after what uh, <laughs> how Michael Elphick innovated them in Jack Gold's amazing series, mm. uh, Private Sharks. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Who can forget? Baby shot. Yes. Yeah, Baby no, absolutely. Shot. Yeah. Um, no. Nice things this week. Mm. What have you got, dear? What have you got oh, for us? Well, now, I've got... A, <laughs> I've got something. It's one of those things which you, which you covet and you know you've got to get it. You've yes. got to, even though you think it might be a load of old bollocks and when it turns up, you are yes. not disappointed. Oh, yes. Oh, shit. So... I put um on on the old Discogs app um in the search bar. Looked for this. No, nobody's got it. Hasn't come up for sale in years. So I said, all right, alert me if it ever does. That would be nice. Yes. And last week I was alerted. Oh. So the credit card had to come out. Oh. Rather, you know, like, oh, don't use the credit card. However, for this one, I will make an exception. Are Very you ready cheeky. for this? Are Go on, ready? hang on. Let me get poised. Right, I'm poised. Okay. Here it comes. Victor, Victor Madden oh. at the Women's Institute. Wonderful. Want. Let's let's consider this record for a moment. Um, the first there are many thing, levels to that. Just the oh, title. The, oh, there there are more levels than even you can imagine right now. But let's go through them. First of all, um, up here you'll see uh, VME. This was released by Victor Madden Enterprises. Superb. Um, this record is. Um, VE2, so it's uh, Victor Enterprises 2. I haven't Ooh. found out what VE1 yet, but it must Ooh. be out there somewhere. Um, and on the front, it says Victor Madden at the Women's Institute. And I was very lucky to have my good friend, the pianist and organist Roderick Elms, with me to record the occasion. Have we looked Roderick up? We haven't yet. Oh, However, okay. um, th- there's, th- I mean, there's so much to get through on this that you know it's going to take me years to sort of take this pieces. Now, the other reason that I went for this, um, and I didn't actually know, I didn't notice this until uh, it arrived, and then I looked back at the listing, and it does say, it, is it is signed by him? Um, Wowzers! There we go. There's a dedication by Victor to someone. Can I just say no. that just the sight and the knowledge that that exists is like I, my mood is elevated. Oh, like now, by about ten steps. Absolutely. Now, but let's see if we can elevate your mood even more, shall we? So, Victor Madden, by this point in his career, I'm, I've got a feeling he may have had some sort of an illness. I don't know if he'd had a small Late 70s? stroke. Late seventies. Eighties. This. Oh, eighties. Okay. Is, uh, eighty. Is it nineteen eighty? Eighty-one. Let me have a quick look. It's a very thin record, very cheaply printed. Right. Maybe um, VE one is just helicopter sounds from the ele- enemy of the world. Oh, it could well be that. Um, well, I mean, we can. Here's here's how far we can go on this. So, um, so, so on the on the label on side one, it says this rec- this recording is dedicated to Miss Gladys Bud, Mister Morris Coborn, from Howard's Way, presumably, yeah. and the and the Bolting Brothers, John and Ray, without whose help and guidance, I would now be following in my father's footsteps on the buses. Turn over to Wonderful. side. Turn to side two. Further copies obtainable from P.O. Box just for today. Robford, Essex, £5 inclusive. Um, I paid rather more than £5. Go on. Go on then. Let's hear it. 25. Oh, my dear boy. I'm afraid you you need a sort of... We need to start um, minting the little sort of nice things, rewards. um, I think so. Not medals, but what were the commemorative tokens or something? I think that yeah, I think that deserves a commemorative token. That's that's commitment to the cause. That well, I I promised myself a tenner, <laughs> tenner. We'll go with that, and then yeah. it comes up, and you're like, no, want have to have. Have now to on have. the back, on the back is fascinating as well. Uh, if you can see that, yeah, on the back uh, you'll notice um, that there's the BBC, there's the House of Commons, there's the yeah. Independent Broadcasting Authority. These are all letters Victor has received when he's written to people complaining. And he's just put them on the back. They're all on the back. They're, this is just found art. It really is. It's the most remarkable thing. So you think to yourself, well, what on earth can this recording be? Complaints, it, I'm, I'm wondering. Well, a, a lot of. That's when it gets very special. So um, Right. The record opens with, because uh, it's the Women's Institute, somebody, somebody playing Jerusalem on the piano, and then on comes Victor. And then Victor spends the first few minutes introducing himself, but most of the time he seems to be just trying to convince the audience that he's not homosexual. He's, he's desperate to get that point across. 
And he keeps saying, not one of them. I'm not one of them. And you know he's doing the wrist. You know he's doing the wrist. Yeah. I'm not one of them. You get that. Then you get all of this stuff, these anecdotes, which are the worst anecdotes ever. They don't lead anywhere. They don't build up to anything. They just ramble from one thing to another. They're not about anything. It's just bollocks. It's it's amazing. And then on side two, he gets a bit cross about the BBC. <laughs> and there's just a tirade at the BBC for about five minutes. About Legend of he... the Sea Devils? Oh, no, not even no. that. No, it's no. just it's the mistreatment of Victor. Well, that's all it is. Because, uh, I mean, the letter on the back... Uh, from the BBC. It's uh, a bit difficult to read. Uh, Dear Mr Madden, I'm sorry you should have misunderstood the previous letters you've received from the BBC. As Mr Page pointed out, allocation of television channels is a matter for the Home Office, not the BBC. (laughs) As for family viewing, no two people should agree precisely what constitutes such viewing, but the BBC does already cater for every age group within its output and it's our policy to continue to do so. So he's clearly just (laughs) he's clearly just written to them in a bad mood. Um, However, the best bit of the cover is uh, down at the bottom where Victor's added uh, this wonderful wonderful little uh, note. Blame for much of what is wrong with our society today can be put at the doors of our industry of unhappiness. The producer of this record does not hereby indicate any door in particular. However, our television conglomerates have much to answer for, and as hereto is witnessed, no answer is forthcoming. Victor Madden. I'm, my mind is blown here. And also, there are other sort of conundrums, not conundrums, combinations tumbling in my head of this might be the way forward for your rants. I mean, you've got to admire a man who will go not only to the trouble of visiting the local WI, and no doubt Victor wouldn't know one end of a tape recorder from the other, so he's hired a man in Mm. to record the rant. This is how incensed he was by his enmity toward the BBC. Oh, yeah. He's gone to the trouble of giving a talk. He's Mm. recorded it. Mm. He's founded Victor Madden Enterprises... Yes. With the sole purpose of releasing it, he's got them pressed up, mm. and he's. It, this is like in a pre-internet age how he's disseminated his polemic against the BBC. This absolutely. This is this is really. This is the hat is tipping it's constantly. Gold. This it's, is it's, absolute it is gold. gold. I mean, this is to, this is like finding the Ark of the Covenant, as far as I'm concerned. But it's old man shouting at clouds. It absolutely well, except on this occasion, it's old man shouting at even older women and shouting, "I'm not one of them." An awful lot. Well, it's... that's mind-boggling. I mean, were there were there rumours? Do we think? Or... No, 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 not at all. Just no. the pains. No, he he just wanted to point it out. There was not basically Victor Madden. For anyone who doesn't know. Tough working guy. actor, bog standard. Yeah, working actor. Did Doctor Who. Did some soaps. Did stuff like that did together for Southern, the soap opera, um, stuff like that. Bog-standard working actor. He reminded who... me of Sam Kidd. Yes. Like a poor man's Sam Kidd. Yeah, yeah, I'd go with that. And then all of a sudden, in 1980, he gets very, very cross <laughs> and feels that everybody needs to know about it, and the only way to do it, as you say, is to get it out there on vinyl. It's brilliant. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. Just the, the philosophy of it is... Mm. is so worthy. I, I, when did he die then? <clears throat> oh, nineties sometime, early nineties. Right, think. he went that on that thing. One, yeah. yeah, he did. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I recommend you find a copy. But uh, to be honest with you, viewers, it's taken me years, years I'll to track bet. them down. You should, you um, should get them on CD and get them on eBay. You know, for oh, the. Oh you know, yeah. Well, I'm going. I, I think what I might do is I might upload it uh, to YouTube as a little treat. So if you yes. wish to hear Victor convincing yes. you that he's not one of them. Then you'll be able to have not a Victor. listen. I bet, no, not Victor. <laughs> but, but the thing is... <laughs> um, the thing is with... I mean, did he go on to the early 90s in a, in a, a Brucey way or a Ron Pemba way? A Ron Pemba way. Oh, no. Um, no, I don't want the, to... I don't want the Ron Pemba route. No, this is no. essentially... This is the, 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 the dying embers of, uh, of the career. Um, let me just... I, I'm allowing myself a little Google here. Um, 
not too difficult because most of my searches at the moment are to do with Victor Madden. Here we are. I'm sure um, they are. 1993. Uh, he died. He died uh, 22nd of June, 1993. Um, Day after the solstice. Yeah. Um, there we go. But yeah, he died. Died from a brain tumor. I don't yeah. know if I don't know how long that could have been lying there. I don't know if that maybe affected certain things. But what soaps uh, was he in then? Um, he was in because of course he was in Fury from the Deep, yes. which we ain't got. Oh, now. I said Enemy of the World. I was completely wrong, was I? I know Fury from the Deep. He's in. Well, he's in right. Together, which is Southern's okay. um, lunchtime soap opera. Um, Together is a um, box set up there. Together's a fascinating. Yeah, so that's out. Wow. Every That's episode. impressive from Southern. It is, isn't it? Well, you think. However, not quite. Um, because it's every episode of Together they've still got. Now, the most interesting ah. about Together is Series 2 went out live for no reason at all. But let's do it live. So they did it live twice a week. But there's two missing episodes. And... Having done Have they animated research. them? They've not animated them yet. No, I wish they no. would. Telly snap reconstruction. That'd be great. However, it turns out the reason they don't exist is they haven't been wiped. Somebody forgot to press record when they were doing it. Brilliant. Simple as that. They just didn't think we better record this. Wasn't done. Um, so he was in together, um, and he's got a fairly good career. And part of his career was shown last night. And this is where I could get Johnny Ooh. Cross. Yeah, I could get Spicy a bit cross link. here. Um, yeah, because last uh, night at the time of recording on uh, Comedy Central, which is a channel, yeah. a channel, um, they've taken to showing, you know, those bloody awful, let's laugh at the 70s, weren't they awful? Oh, dreadful. Right. So they showed one of those um, last night, three and a half hours of when things go horribly wrong in classic television. Right. Now, I hate those. Yes. Um, because there's, uh, there's one clip from, uh, I think it's Strike It Lucky with Barrymore, where he's coming oh. down the steps uh, and then he trips slightly. Mm. Yes. And then you've got people going, he comes down the stairs and he trips. And then they show you him tripping. And mm. then some other comedian, I don't know, goes, and then he tripped. And they show it again. It's like, well, I, just show me the clip. Dreadful. He comes down there, then he falls over. I mean, he must have been used to the set, but he trips. All this sort of shite. But then there's a clip from Dixon of Doc Green with Victor Madden. And it's this lovely little outtake where he's being threatened and he's got to cower and he's got to say uh, that he hasn't got this stolen jewellery. It's been taken to Dick uh, to Doc Green Nick. Is he in a flat cap? He's not, actually, wow. sadly. But he gets the line wrong. Uh, and instead of saying Doc Green Nick, he says Dick Green Knock. Um, and then they do it again and he makes the same mistake again. And it's an average thing that you'd see on any studio tape. Cut to celebrities claiming this is genius. No, it's not. He just tripped his words. And then some bellend going, the thing is, they hardly got any rehearsal. Bollocks. Yes, they did. They got five days. Don't talk shit. I won't have Den that. Dennis Nod must be shitting himself. Oh, Dreadful. Dreadful. Spinning telly. like a tumble dryer. Yes. Are you one of those people? Yeah. <laughs> well, that is an incredibly nice thing, dear. And oh, it's the nicest Thing. The only copy in the Northwest. Oh, very likely. I can't imagine Victor did a massive run of these. No, no, not at 25 notes a chunk. <laughs> so, my nice thing this week. Your nice thing is a very nice thing. It's a isn't very, it? very nice thing. I we always, can't see it, can we? I'll put a picture on screen. I'll uh, I'll do that. And then when I'm, I'm looking through the footage, I know where to stop. Okay. Um, so, uh, and I will drop a picture in. I'm breaking my own rule about doing any form of editing with the show. I will drop a picture on screen. So, Worth viewers, it. I'm going to drop a picture on screen now. And this is my brand, well, not brand new, 1926, so 94 years old. <coughs> Beckstein, C. Beckstein, uh, piano, um, which is a Model 9, which is beautiful. And uh, ever since I was a little boy, um, when, I was, uh, when I did my paper round as a kid, the Echo used to have adverts on a Wednesday. Pianos, £100. Delivered. I used to beg my mother for a piano. Yeah. There was no way we were fitting one in our council house light. So, no. anyway, we've had this conversation before. But I recall a programme. I'm indebted to a young man from Great Yarmouth. <laughs> no, I recall a programme with Steve Race mm. on uh, an afternoon. When we first moved to Widnes... 
the B BBC Two had this habit of re repeating in the wake of its, what did you say? It was the 50th anniversary in the 80s where they showed all those clip shows. Yeah, TV 50. Was TV 80, 50. 86, that was. Yeah. And in the aftermath of that, they started repeating every afternoon at 4pm. It was on just as I got home from school. My music with Steve Race. Uh, Frank Muir was one of the team mm -hmm. captains. And I can't remember the other one. It'll come to me. But anyway, they were on about Beckstein pianos on one of them. Um, and it was just the way that they were all sort of pontificating about it. And they showed this sort of black, you know, this ebony um, piano um, and going on about, you know, German uh, design and the, the German engineering that went in to make the Beckstein, the pre-war Becksteins, or Beckstein, I'm not, I'm not an aficionado, uh, the sort of pinnacle of piano building, really. Mm. Um, and anyway, enough. So I've always wanted one. I always mm. wanted one. And then this week in a, a, a bit of a crazy sort of series, sequence of events, I, I now own one. Um, a 1926, which is, ooh, I'd, well, it's pre-Hitler, obviously, so there's no shark damage. But no. also, um, it's, it is it's Weimar Republic, but it's pre when it all went tits up and uh, C. Beckstein actually made it through that. They, they make Becksteins now, but they're made in Korea and China. You know, someone's bought the name. In the right. same way that you can still buy a Triumph motorcycle, you know, it's kind of someone's just bought the name. Like someone, like the name the BBC is just the BBC now, and it's not the BBC. Um, you know, uh, Kierkegaard, the most successful revolutions leave the buildings intact. So, um, so I now own one anyway, and uh, my, my wonderful mate, Bernard, who runs Showcase Pianos, bit of a plug there for you, Bernard, um, which is an old building just stuffed with pianos that is never open, right? And Bernard's just this guy who was in bands in the 60s, like, and he's just dead chilled, and he's like, oh, all right, Mark. He sort of just... So me and Bernard went and got it yesterday, and Bernard's got his old trailer that pianos go into and all his homemade gadgets and gizmos for moving the bloody things. And so uh, me and my mate Pete got it in. But, it, you know, just a morning with Bernard is mm. worth a morning with Bernard. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's like it's just just to sort of speak to this guy is a, a lovely, a nice thing in itself. So, mm. um, yeah, I've got one. I've got one. And um, oh. it was fun as well to spend time in Bernard's company. He's coming tuning it on Thursday, but all the way back. He was like that with me. Because um, <clears throat> I didn't buy... Obviously, I bought my last piano off him, but I didn't buy this. So I sent him eBay links, you know what I mean? It's like, what do you think of this one? What do you think of this one? Anyway, so I went and saw this Beckstein the other day, and it's just like... It's immaculate. It's been owned by um, Great Aunt Irene, who had it from New, right? Oh. So it's one careful lady owner. It is absolutely immaculate. The original key, the original stool, the hammers are all pristine, even the tapes at the bottom, the little things that bring the thing back down that rot. It is absolutely beautiful, Paul. Um, and um, Irene uh, was a professional pianist and uh, who was asked in the 30s to go and tour America with Clark Gable. He asked her personally, but she said no. Why you know, did she say no? I have no idea. I have no idea. But the piano, she is now called Irene, obviously. Of course. Yes. Um, so it's... It's just so sweet and mellow. Honestly, you know, you must play it sometime because, mm. honestly, it, the the bass on it, the t you know, <clears throat> Steve Race and Frank Muir were right. It mm. is the pinnacle of piano building. Mm. Um, and I'm just delighted. You know, I, I really am delighted. It is beautiful. And to have that provenance with it, mm. you know, it, it's just... You know, it's it's just sometimes you know you you are meant things are meant to be, dear. It's I that so. destiny thing, and um, I think so. That's my forever piano now. There is there is a question, of course. Oh which yes, is, um, which is uh, Victor set me back twenty five. Ah, what were you set back for this? Come well, um, oh. it is worth. It is worth. It depends where you go looking, but you can pay between two and a half, and if you go to a, a dealer, sort of thing. Mm. Some of them charging like eight grand for these things. Um, <coughs> Bernard, 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, being a man who buys and sells pianos, he's just like that. He's like, oh, I'm bloody jealous. I'm je- that should be mine. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, would you like to know what I paid for it? I would, actually. Is that what you're on. asking? Yes. £450. Good God, that's not bad at all, is it? No, it's amazing. That's worth it. That is worth um, it. And 100 to Bernard for transportation and tuning yeah fair enough but um no the people it was a it's a strange story and it would i'd be telling you it for about 15 minutes but they really wanted me to have it right you know so um it's like oh we found you on youtube and all this other stuff and and so yeah they were like yeah you can have it for that you know so it was it was kind of like because i could not have ever afforded a c-backstein No. You know what I mean? They're just they're just dreams. They're just mm. dreams, you know. But Paul, it is the most exquisite instrument I've ever played. Mm. It, it really is, you yeah. know. And they wanted to be sure I wasn't uh, going to sell it on and all kinds but, of things. Well, of course, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bernard on the drive back, he said, oh, I'd be three grand off me, that. I was like, that. well, it ain't off you, is it, Bernard? Yeah. He, he was a bit sick. Well, he kept going on about it. He mentioned it three times. Right. How, how it should be his. <laughs> Yes. Um, so I'm, I, I'm guessing that, yeah, he, he would really like to have had that. But, um, no, it's mine. No, no, fair enough. Well, I'll tell you what, this week, after after many a decade, yes. uh, in fact, oh, God, let's see, I think I last I last got my violin out, if you pardon mm-hmm. the phrase, in about 1994. And then I just haven't really, I haven't played my own violin since. And uh, last week I got the case out with the violin in it. Um, not in a Victor I, Madden way with a not gun in, in a vic- it or anything. No, no, no. no, no, no. Um, and I suddenly thought, oh, maybe, maybe it's time. It needs it needs new strings, and the bow's a bit buggered. But uh, when you look at an instrument, and it's not, you know, a mass-produced thing. So the violins, the whole thing now, they are they're made in Japan because mm. of the Suzuki method and all those sort of things. Whereas this is a Magini. uh violin, um, and I think my uh, it was bought for me when I was fourteen by my, my lovely granddad, and um, I couldn't remember how much was paid for it. And so uh, I asked my mum, and she said 700 quid. Yeah. And this yeah, is I can believe that. 1989 or something. And suddenly I thought, well, why the hell have I got this beautiful maple leaf violin sat in the nice, wardrobe? Absolutely nice not. Thing. So that is going to be uh, re-strung over this, uh, over this week. Maybe we'll give it a go. I'm shocked we haven't got a violin shop in the village. Because we've got a Victorian glass shop. A whole shop. And that's all they sell is Victorian glass. Well, you and can see it... the money in that. I mean, Johnny oh, Lewis Johnny Lewis had um, his violin. He, he, some bloke took it and, like, completely took it to pieces. Like, pieces. You know? Not just the strings off everything. You know? And that name rings a bell. I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny's got... Um, what are you a saying? Magini. Mag- Magini, Magini as well. That yeah. rings a bell. But I said to him, was it worth it? Because it cost him a lot of money to get this done. Like, mm. And he said, well, he said, put it this way. He said, it's three times louder than it was. Ah, fair enough then. So it's a 200-year-old oh. violin he's got. Yeah, this is from... Oh, it's seventy. It's late 1700s, but I can't remember. It's sort of 1780s oh. or something like that. Um, and the, the tone, the, the tone of this instrument, having played a lot of different violins, the tone of this... Is beautiful. It has a melancholic sound to it mm. that I've never quite understood where that comes from, how that's produced. Maybe it's to do with the resonance because it's maple leaf wood. I don't know. It could be something like that. Absolutely beautiful instrument. So the fact that it's sat in, in there for, well, ever since I moved in, into the, the palatial extravagance here, um, I think now is the time to actually go, no, let's let's get that back out. Let's get back to me musical yes. roots a little bit, I think. Well, now. part of their reasoning with wanting me to have this was they, they were like, you know, we want it to be used, mm. you know, we want it to be played, and, you know, instruments are for playing. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got, you, is, know. you find it, is the piano having to be played in a bit? Because of course the... You it do needs have to tuning first. It needs tuning. It's been sat for, I would say, about 15 to 20 years. Right. So, uh, big thanks to Nigel and Ruth, by the way, um, for being, uh, you know, wanting me to have it. Um, so, it's been sat for a while. Mm. Um, and I tell you what, I saw the photographs of it and I walked in there and I was just like, what? Mm. It just shone. 
Yeah. It shone. And considering it's 94 years old, have I got my maths right? 96 years old. 1926. Yeah. 96 yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I honest to God, and I, 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 the keys on it, I, there's not a mark on it. You know, this has been um, her pride and joy. Her literal pride and joy. And when you take uh, the front of it off and look at the pinboard and the hammer, it's just astonishing that it looks like it was built yesterday. Mm. It really does. <clears throat> so one careful lady owner actually does mean that in this case. Well, yes. You know. Absolutely. Um, and so Irene is currently mine. Oh. Um, you know, um, I, I, it's just, it just makes you feel better about everything to yeah. own something so beautiful as i'm sure that when you you know got the old bow out last week and victor of course victor oh, i thought it was about victor specifically right no uh, no absolutely yeah but i mean there's something about music isn't there i mean um what's that quote about architecture it's frozen music you know and yeah the, the very similar things you know beauty is beauty is something that we seem to at pains to remove from life you know modern buildings are ugly modern cars are ugly even stuff like you know fashion shows and stuff like that seem intent on you know not promoting beauty well no they're, they're not they i think well what's the point of them then is it to provoke to provoke a reaction i mean because that's in some ways i suppose that's valid but you know we're all we try to provoke as performers we try and provoke with art with buildings and so on but yeah the, the idea seems to have gone now that we can provoke through making something beautiful through something ornate you're right because even i mean i'm i'm quite a fan of um brutalist buildings mm, i love them i, I know of but it. some, some of, of it. it some of it just occasionally when you see something and it's this monolith and it's awe-inspiring. I blame Day but, of the Daleks for that. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Put me in the South Bank and just point at the concrete, and I'm absolutely happy. Yeah. But then modern buildings. I mean, if you look at the waterfront <coughs> in Liverpool, which is being brilliantly it ruined is. at a cost of millions of pounds yeah. with these odd-shaped frigging buildings, I they they look like they're made of plastic. They look cheap. I don't yeah. care. They're, they're, and beauty shouldn't look cheap. I don't think. It should no. look as though there's been time and effort and energy and probably money that's gone into them and they shouldn't just be thrown up overnight. Which is... I think that we live in an age which is predominant, predominantly dominated by negative emotion, like resentfulness, entitlement, bitterness. It's like yesterday when Bernard's pissing around with the trailer, right? Because mm. the street's lined with cars. It's Terry Street, so there's lots of cars there. And... Uh, I'd knocked on loads of doors to try and move the bloody thing, and he's like that. Oh, bloody hell, Mark. You know what I mean? And this woman emerged from her house, and she's like, I'm just moving my car now. Oh, I was like, great. You know what I mean? And I said to her, I said, oh, we've been looking. No cars come down here. Just as I said that, a car come down the road. Yes. Pulled up behind. And I was like, all right, mate, she's just moving, and then he'll be there, and then you can get past. <laughs> just loads of abuse at me. I was like, what, mate? I was like, where are you in such a bloody rush for? Oh, you fucking knobbit. And screaming and shouting. So, of course, being me... I have to run after the car, don't I? Well, because yeah. immediately the red mist descends <laughs> yeah. and I just want to drag him out of the car and knock fuck out of him. Mm, so, um, but it's just the way that, you know, why is he so, it's like, literally, I saw him, he went round the block and I saw him emerge at the bottom, right? Because he just mm. reversed and just screwed off and da, 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 da. And Bernard was, had parked up by that. He could have, it would have been quicker, but no, he wasn't going to wait for two seconds Bernard had to carry on down the road and get out of his way. And it's just like, mate, chill the fuck out. Wherever you were going, you can wait two more seconds. But it's not that. It's it's this, you're in my way. You're in my way. I need to get somewhere. I am the most important person on earth. That's it. It's that whole thing of I, I'm important. Now, I, I blame social media because it's created. We've had this, this before that. We though, have. We? It's that broadcast space where, you know, I I think this and you have to listen. Well, no I yeah. don't. No I don't. But everybody feels that they're entitled now to be to be listened to, they say whilst waffling to the But you can to choose to listen to this or not. Well, absolutely, yeah. You know. Um well, yeah, it's not it's not something that's being forced, you know, you're not being forced to listen to this. 
So I think it's that, isn't it? People think that they are entitled to be heard. It's not entitled to say what you think. It's entitled to be heard by others. Yeah. But you're not. Nobody but it's that anxiety of, like, pressure of you've got to get somewhere as well. I, I'll be in the supermarket queue, you know what I mean? And there'll be, like, an old girl at the front or whoever it may be, and people are chatting and taking a while to um, pack the bags and stuff like that. And I can feel the anxiety within me. It's like, oh, God, what are you doing? Just hurry up so I can get... And you start yeah. thinking, where am I rushing to? I mean, we all yeah. know where ultimately we are rushing to. Yeah. But, I mean, where, you know, what to come back in and sit on my own? So it's just like, you know what I mean? It's just like you start to sort of go up the pyramid of abstraction and look at what your motivation actually is and you start to think, look, it's an old woman. Probably mm. doesn't see many people week to week. She comes in here as a chinwag with this woman. Lovely. That's yeah. lovely. My motivation is hideous. Mm. This is lovely. And immediately you can start to just recalibrate and go, what the fuck? I'm going to be mm. here, f what, a minute? A minute maybe. You know, yeah. because some old lady is having, like, a nice moment in a week. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. And and you know what we're like as humans? If you sort of perceive somebody, even if you don't visually, you know, connect, you can see, you can sense when somebody's huffing and puffing, you know, oh, because yeah. they want you out of their way, like that dickhead yesterday. Mm. And so, I, you know, I don't play those games anymore. I, I stop myself. You know, mm. it's like, literally, where are you rushing to? And why is your priority you know, above somebody having a little bit of a chat and, and having some human contact. Stop it, you're an arsehole. And so I make a point of just like, you know, because they do, they look round to make sure they're not holding people up and that, because we are British, dear. Yeah, well, yeah. And they look round and that, and I just make a point of smiling, because it's mm. just like, stop being an entitled asshole, And mm. we're all prone to it. And I do genuinely think it's it's the philosophy of our times that we have to get to places and we're all important and da 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 When I lived out in the countryside, <laughs> it's a completely different thing, mate. You think that you you hire a, a chap to come and work on your house or something like that. Mm. Oh, right, well, you know. Uh, well, we, yes, we said Tuesday. Ah. Uh, yeah, that was last Tuesday, a week and a half ago. Mm. Oh, so what needs doing then? And it's, it's literally that sort of mindset. It's just like, you know, uh, the chaps who did all the work on the house was Roy and his son Roy. You know, <laughs> and, I, and I just love these guys, you know what I mean? Well, I'll ask Roy. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, we have this about us and its manifestation is in aggression, brutalist architecture, as you say, and, and us stopping to take the time and take a breath and take a beat and take a moment to appreciate beauty. And that's what we're losing. And I think that that great clip um, that I sent you yesterday of Burkhoff talking yes. about modern actors, you know, I think that we're that's what we're losing. We're losing the heart. Mm. No, I'd agree with that. We are. Now, is this, is this, my immediate thought here is, is this predominantly an English thing? Because no, I don't think but, but so. When, I, when I've gone and worked over in, in Ireland, when I've gone to Dublin, no. Yeah, I'd say the Irish are very different. They're more European. But again, you know. I've not found that all the times I've been in Scotland. I've not found that. I've I'd, found. I'd suggest if you're going there, start having a chinwag to the lady on the counter of Morrison's. You might see a different side. If yeah, there's a chappy there with his buck fast, eh? Do you know what I think it is? Actually, I was I was trying to work this out, and and my conclusion is that uh, it's to do with education, right? Because. I think it's partly to do with the fact that these days, of course, you've got these dickheads in Whitehall who are dictating, no, you've got to teach mm. them this and this and this and this and this. Fact, fact, fact. Get as much in there as you can. Cram information into the curriculum and just get it out there. I blame Jean Piaget. Oh, why? Because his stages of development align with the key stage one, two, three, four, don't they? I mean, that's the... He has the uh, constructivist theory, doesn't he, and behaviourism and all that. And so he says, by this point in time, this is how kids will learn, what they will learn, and how we will achieve it. And, and, and although Piaget meant well, especially when he used to go to the zoo and throw hats at the animals because he was wondering why haven't the animals evolved like us to wear clothes. Mm -hmm. So he used to go to the zoo and throw hats. So essentially, so all that's happened is some dickhead who's paid far too much money has seen this and thought, well, I can use that to make money. Yeah, he's taken Piagetian theory and he's applied it 
in its mm. broadest possible sense to sort of you know and even he said that these are like you know very fluid and they're not rigidly set mm. but they've taken that haven't they they've taken Vygotsky's uh, zone of proximal development and they've put all this stuff together and it's like um there's a human element here you know mm. <laughs> that you've not encountered you've not calculated for you see what what I've found is that in the Scottish education system hey. that they are taught something which isn't taught in the English educational system. Because in the English educational system, we're taught facts. We're taught these definite, definitive moments, these facts. Whereas in the Scottish educational system, from early doors, they're taught critical analysis. Take something from there, take something from there, and meld all these facts together, and you find your own path through them. Whereas we don't have that. We're basically told, read that, that's the truth. Therefore, what I have read... My truth is fact. Well, Scotland also gave us Tony Blair. Yes. Know, so, so there's that. And, and, uh, tel- and television. And red pubic hair. And definitely red pubic hair. Yeah. Um, I don't know that. I don't know. You'd <laughs> know better than me. Yeah, um, no, no, absolutely. It was, but I don't know. I, I don't know. It just seems to me that that that, that this, this thing that you're talking about, this, this angry need to be, I've oh. got to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never, I've encountered it in England an awful lot, but when I've gone, I've not encountered it to the same extent. It does feel, and America. America, most you definitely. Out. That's what I was thinking of when the videos oh. you see of people just going bonkers. It's like, whoa. Oh, God. Those, those dreadful, what are they called? Karens and things like that, shouting at people because someone's ridden a skateboard. Oh, fuck off. I'm not interested in yeah. people. Die. Yes. <laughs> yes, I said it. Uh, I stand by the point. I stand by the point. I'll be releasing that on a record at the Women's Institute. Oh, I tell you what, that would be spectacular, wouldn't it? Strong saying, arm on. I've been saying to you for ages that the ideal way to do nice things, once a week, everyone gets a vinyl recording in the post. Like the Reader's That's Digest. Just like the Reader's Digest. It'd be lovely, It'd be but it costs yeah. a lot of money. And unfortunately, you know, we haven't got... Victor's burning sense of enmity, no. you know, to drive us along. And no doubt, a lot of cash. Can you imagine his wife? Was he married? Is that why I they had the rumours? Oh, I think he was. Hang on, we'll have a little Google, but I can imagine. Why, what do you think that uh, Mrs., uh, Mrs. Madden would have been like under these circumstances? I think Cross. she would have been like, why are you spending the money for our conservatory on a load of shit albums? <laughs> Don't you? Quite possible, yeah. Um... There we are. Let's just have a quick look. Uh, no, no, there is, ah. there is nothing. Oh, he was, he was married with four daughters, right. is what it says here. Ah. Um, but yeah, right at the end of his life, reading here. Um, besides acting, Madden ran a script printing business, and in 1991 opened a public speaking school. A lifelong Conservative Party voter, he offered special rates to Conservative MPs and constituency workers for his printing services. Well, there you go. A long way from the busman. Not shocked. Yes, absolutely. No, I don't know anything about him other than he's a sort of... Uh, he's the uh, limousine driver in Steptoe and Son, isn't he? The film. That's Your right, phone's yeah. ringing. And yes. he's just lying on the couch having a Guinness. Mm. He's pouring himself a Guinness. That's Victor. Yeah, yeah he's well, brilliant in that. What's fascinating about him, I think, really is, you know, a lot of his early work has been wiped, as has happened with most of television. <clears throat> he did those six episodes of what's now regarded as classic Doctor Who, Fury from the Deep. And I think that there's a total total footage of him in that serial existing, I think, is about nine seconds. So there's a good chance that if it weren't for... Victor Madden live at the Windows Institute, he'd be forgotten. And yet, having this is how I discovered him because one day I just thought, let's have a little Google of Victor. And I came across this forum not people talking about, not Victor, talking about the, this, this amazing record. And suddenly you go, well, good on you, Victor. I mean, you're barking. Absolutely insane. Yes. But fair play to you. So that. contextually, you've told us what that is, but what is your opinion of it? Is it, it? Does it sustain your engagement? Yes, but I had to work on it. I mean, okay. it, it feels longer than it is, this record. Yeah, I'll bet. It, it really does. I was sort of, um, I was into his 
ninth or tenth anecdote before it rambles into the tenth or eleventh with no structure. And I looked across at the little record player. Thinking, Are we nearly time to turn over? No. Halfway. <laughs> halfway through side bloody Let one. the clock so in work. It was exactly like that, yeah. It took some effort to get through. I'm not going to deny it. This is why you need the token. Absolutely. I mean, it's not just the money. It's not just the hunting the bloody thing down. It's the fact that I've also listened to it. Um, but... Oh, I would recommend it. But I would recommend that you listen to it whilst doing something else. Maybe take a walk and listen to Victor yes. getting very cross. This um, is wonderful, just the idea that he gets very cross. There's, um, I watched the, the Disc 8 on the Season 18 box set or whatever it is last night. Sorry, London Raider. I just want to mention this. But there's a, the Panopticon Archive, a summit. So mm. there's Tom at a conference, uh, convention in 93. Um, and then at the very end, he's joined by Liz Slade, and he's just fucking gorgeous. Like, you know mm. what I mean? Like, I mean, she walks on, and you're like, and you can see Tommy's just like, ah, oh. you yeah. know, and 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 everyone in there's just like, wow, she's just mm. just got better with age. Um, mm. But he tells this anecdote about being, uh, I was at a bus stop in Muswell Hill, yeah, and a dog emerged from Highgate Woods. And this anecdote goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's like, people are politely laughing, but I mean, you know, Tom, it's like, you, you know, he can ramble on and it's like, you're gripped. Mm. But this seemed to know, just go nowhere about this dog was just, um, and he's like that. And then at the end of it, his whole point of telling this is just like, and this was a very significant point in my life. It just told me that being an actor was like being this dog. You have to go around and nudge people and, and get kicked <laughs> and you end up going under a truck. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a payoff there, but it's it's not a gr- I, I'm surprised at them putting that on there. It's not, I mean, apart from Liz Slane walking on at the end, who's just like, Good God, what a beautiful woman. Um, aside from that, it's it's not classic Tom. It really no. isn't. And and no. why they chose to put that on there, I don't know. No. That's I just not. thought you might have some insight. I thought you were going to go, ah, well, Michael, what it is, is. No, not at all. I mean, um, no, I, I remember, I, I do remember when I met Tom, 22nd of March, 1997, and he was sat next to Liz Sladen. And she was doing a fair bit of eye rolling. Uh, it has to oh, be said, she there was the occasional huh, one of these moments. Um, I, I didn't get one when he he signed this picture for me, um, which is the, the 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 police box sat in the middle of a stone circle. I've got that picture too. Yeah, and he looked at it for ages, studied it, and then looked up at me and just said, "Well, I think I'd better sign this in the sky because really, God's the only part left for me, isn't it?" Brilliant. Absolutely top. Brilliant. So, yeah, wonderful. But yeah, Liz Liz on that occasion was giving it a certain amount of... Oh uh, yeah, she probably had hours of it. What distresses me now is I've got a photo uh, where I'm between the two of them, um, which is, you know, just a lovely thing to have. But for, I was in my 20s, so I'm wearing uh, a t-shirt with Matt Lucas's face from Shooting Stars, and underneath it says, you fat cow. And we can Photoshop all that out. Put you in a nice pinstripe. Could we do that? That'd be something nice, like that. We could I'd do like that, that, couldn't yes. we? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he says in that that chat yesterday, he's like, uh, "Of course, the first person I fell in love with was Elizabeth, but I never told her." Oh. You know, um, I bet. She but you knew. would have done. You would have done. Oh you? yes. 100%. Soon as she walked, I did last her. night. Oh, absolutely. Well, you were saying uh, Caroline John as well the other day. Oh. Yeah, there's a sort of sort of parsimonious. Mm. Um, something there. I mean, there's a raise of the eyebrow from Caroline. John yeah, makes your knees go weak. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but obviously, you know, I mean, when um, when Pertwee saw Katie Manning, he was no doubt like, wasn't that that story? Or was that Liz Slade? And um, there's one where he went up behind the two thumbs up, doesn't he? Didn't he? He he did the two thumbs up behind Liz Sladen. Because, uh, right. of course, they, they'd hired someone else, hadn't And she was already under contract for the whole season. Okay. Oh, do you not know that? No. Right. So um, somebody else was hired uh, to play that role in Doctor Who. Um, it's an actress called April Walker. And she's in an episode of Faulty Towers um, playing... Oh. I think it's it's the one where they have... The light uh, switch. No, no, it's not that one. It's where they've got two couples staying and Basil thinks that they're all shagging each other. Yeah. And she's the young girl of that. 
And she was hired uh, for the full season. And they got into rehearsal. And Pertu was like, no, it doesn't work. She's too tall. She's just right. too tall. And she's a tall guy. Too tall, too tall, too blonde. So she had to be paid for the whole season. Nice. And she never shot anything. She paid for the whole thing. And then in comes uh, Liz Sladen. And um, what happened there, there was a conversation she's had in the middle. Barry, let's hear. Pertwee there. And whenever she looked at that one, the other one's giving the thumbs up. Then she right. go that way. She'd get the thumbs up. Katie Manning was just double thumbs up behind yeah. her as soon as she was Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'm sure we'll get some crap for talking about Doctor Who, but hey, it's our show. Know what I mean? Mm. <clears throat> Doing anything nice this week, dear? No. No, back to work, isn't it? Yeah. Still, it yeah. keeps us on the straight and narrow, sir. It does. I've yeah. I've been marking work all week, my lord. Oh. I'm not happy, and I've got more to do this afternoon. Oh, no. To. We've got lots to do ourselves, dear. We have. Yes. Oh, yes. we've got an awful lot to do, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> Which... Well, on that unpleasing prospect. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There will but be it's been a nice week with things. nice things. It's been a things. lovely week. And at the Victor's end of the day, here. you've got a piano, and here's Victor Madden smiling with his lopsided face to thank you for watching and listening. Well, this week. absolutely, yeah, he might have had a stroke actually. Looking, it at does me. look a bit like mm. that, doesn't it? Bless yes. <laughs> well, on that wonderful note, let us yeah. be the first, or potentially the last, or maybe you're not even asked, to wish you all at home a lovely, wonderful week. And until the next time, goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs> Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. Nice thing.